Well, well, welcome to another episode of Pop Apologists. It's just Lauren here hopping on really quick before the episode starts. Don't worry, not to do another disclaimer, not to, you know, yak, 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 five minutes on and on, apologizing up ways, down ways, sideways, whatever, whatever. Uh, for something I shouldn't have had to apologize. Anyway, anyway, I'm just hopping on to say that today's episode is super fun. We have an amazing interview with the one and only Jenna Kingsley of the Social Studies Podcast. It's really less an interview and more of just a chat. We get into all the things that we essentially despise or low-key hate. Um, So if you want some toxic negativity in your life, buckle in. We're here to deliver it. It's a really fun conversation with Jenna. She's so hilarious. Here's the thing I want to tell you guys. We're very selective about our guests. We only want to bring you people that you will actually be entertained by. So, you know, if if we have someone who wants to be on the show, that doesn't mean we let them be on the show. We're very, very, very selective. So you need to know that if you see, oh, this episode is with someone else, don't be deterred. Because I know some people are like, I don't love it when you have guests or I prefer it when it's just the two of you. Please know that we are very intense about the editing process in terms of making sure that there's a barrier of entry and we only bring you people that are genuinely entertaining and we think you will love. And I have no doubt that that is the case today with Jenna. She's absolutely hilarious and I cannot wait for you to listen. Love you all so, so much. Enjoy the episode. Well, well, well. Today we are joined by my land mistress, Jenna Kingsley. <laughs> Welcome to the show, host of the Social Studies Podcast and ex-wife, but current co-parent to my landlord in Puerto Rico. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. You guys are hilarious, and I'm really so excited for the reunion. <laughs> um, well, we went on your show, and I personally felt like you were hilarious and was so excited to do this swap because I think our listeners just need to be introduced to you, and you are just so, so funny. I love your podcast. Huge Thank fan. You. I've been binging it in preparation to do this episode, and I just feel like you have such a distinct sense of humor. And yeah, thanks for for joining. Thank you so much for having me, girls. Of course. Before we dig into this week's content outline, the things that we want to discuss, I want to briefly touch on the fact that you are my land mistress. Um, (laughs) So you guys, this is so random. If you didn't listen to our episode on social studies, my listeners will be very confused right now. So I want to explain this. When I first, this is so funny too. Oh my gosh. When our network first reached out to us to, um, you know, talk about this swap, they're like, yeah. And her ex-husband is (laughs) your landlord in Puerto Rico. That's what she said. And I, Jenna, this is what I have to tell you and confess. I was like, wow, I'm like, are people following me? Do people like know about my life? Like how did she know immediately? Like, man, this podcast must be taking off that she knew immediately where I lived. I really flattered myself. 
so guys, we did talk about this on my episode, but I, so I'm sorry to repeat for those who have heard, but, um, so yeah, so their bio said that Lauren was living in Puerto Rico and I was like, oh my God, like Puerto Rico is so near and dear to my heart. My ex-husband lives there part-time. He is a real estate developer there. Um, and my dog is from there. I adopted my dog from Puerto Rico. So I was so excited to speak to someone who is now living in Puerto Rico. And I look on Instagram and I see Georgia is following them. They're following Georgia. Georgia is my ex-husband's assistant. So I text Georgia. I'm like, how do you know these girls in this podcast? And he's, yeah. she's like, there are 10. <laughs> and I was like, stop it now. So... So funny. Georgia is like the is yeah is David your ex husband's assistant and kind of manages or she's the go to girl for anything that goes wrong. So she gets our our annoying texts. Um, so she was probably like, "Oh, that bitch, that bitch lives in." (laughs) No, and even so, my ex husband who's totally oblivious to like most things people related. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, these girls. And he's like, what? Which building? And then I showed your picture and he's like, yeah, I know that girl. I know her. <laughs> she looks so, way worse in real life. <laughs> no. And I, no, no. And then I had to – I played him because on my podcast we talk about him in detail. So I did get his approval and I played the clip for him. I played the oh, you segment. Did it? Yeah, because I was like, I have to make sure it's okay that I'm talking about him and like work. Right. And, um, and he okayed it. And I was like – Really? Okay. So he heard me call him a mysterious hooded figure that more looks like a guy that they hired to paint from Craigslist, not yes, the landlord. And you heard the that. most <laughs> accurate description. And people I know who know him who listen to that episode are all texting me constantly like, this is the most perfect description of David. I'm dying. So... Oh my gosh. So funny. Well, yeah, it was a real fall from, it was a real fall back down to earth when I realized (laughs) that you, that it was just like you saw Georgia was following us, you know, it wasn't like. (laughs) That's amazing. It's amazing. But you guys are also such talented podcasters. I was telling them before we recorded everyone that I barely go back and listen to anything of my episodes after because I've spent so much time editing them. Like I can't listen to my own voice for another second. And they, Lauren and Chandler were so funny, specifically talking about your mother and my mother <laughs> and the acid on the face at Coachella with your mother. <laughs> I I literally, every time I think about it, I laugh because it's so relatable to me. I mean, it just sounds like we have truly two very special mothers in common. <laughs> we need to be on Xanax. Literally. Yeah. Heavily medicated. I'm not sure that's I enough. I beg my but... mom on the daily. <laughs> I'm not sure that would be enough, ladies, but it's good. It's good, helpful thought. Helpful thoughts. Right. Um, helpful. Po- the power of positive thinking. Um, okay. So this episode, though, circling back to – are what we want to discuss today. So on your episodes, and thank you so much also for the kind words. We really appreciate it. We Chandler and no, I feel I mean like it. total imposters. So that we really take that to heart. So thank you. Yeah. And we also I, just had yeah. so much fun chatting with you. Like I know, I know. you guys are the blast. best. <laughs> you guys are literally the best. So much fun. Well, I mean, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but we should just make this a regular thing. Like maybe once a quarter, like twice a year, just do a little oh. 
you're definitely coming back. You're definitely a hundred percent coming back because you guys have the perfect take for social studies. Like your observations, even on your Instagram, I laugh out loud when you were like, never date someone who could play an instrument. I I can't. (laughs) Like I just and you're you're I didn't listen to it yet, but the one on your Patreon we were just discussing about the LinkedIn influencers, this is like a new thing to me and I it makes me dry heave. Yeah. The LinkedIn influencers like have a special place in hell. I think they're I mean, going to. Yeah. Especially of the male <laughs> variety. Because if you if you, and this is a total tangent, but if you read just what influ- LinkedIn influencers say, basically you're going to think that the best way to get a job is to not show up to the job interview at all or to show up late or in the middle of the job interview to confess that you have crippling anxiety. Like there's all of these like, you know, stories where there's like this twist ending that someone was offered a job after totally messing up the interview because the company had empathy for the employee and that employee became like their biggest rock star ever. Anyway, I just find it all to be like so incredibly cringy. So I've been waiting to sound off about that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I actually, I have like um, a a somewhat technical bone to pick with like the LinkedIn influencers and that is their spacing and the way that they literally space things out like double space like 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 you're saying Lauren like I showed up to the job interview three (laughs) hours late space 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 like I I, was on yes yes wait a second because I gave them to a homeless person (laughs) talk to me about this space 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 because I I have never actually looked at one of their posts I just I was saying earlier like I just started using LinkedIn. I made a video um, for a competitor of LinkedIn, social networking in real life, where I went into the streets of New York City and acted out the things we do on social media and how ridiculous they look in real life. Like I was endorsing people in a bullhorn. So um, I never really understood LinkedIn and I was a member and people would friend me or endorse me. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do on LinkedIn. Like I didn't understand. And then when I started using it just to share episodes of my podcast, I noticed people I knew, like guys I knew who are silent on social media, sharing these endless articles and posts mm-hmm. about this, like how to do this and how to like, and I'm just like, what is this place? Like, what is this dark web of like business? I don't, I don't know what it is, but what is the spacing that you're talking about? Cause I actually never even pay attention to their posts other than thinking how awkward they are. So, okay. Basically it's in absence of being a good writer, they just use dramatic spacing. Like they, t- they will, you know, imagine a paragraph of, you know, uh, of a narrative and they will space it out to literally be like, you know, a full page long because for dramatic effect. So if they're trying to tell some story about some crazy job interview or something that happened, you know, in Q4, um, they will like space things out in a way that, and then hashtag it a shit ton. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, and then they tag, by the way, I've noticed this because I get tagged in things that I have no, that are not applicable to me. They tag <laughs> Like a thousand people, yes. so they join the chat and <laughs> like join I the was, conversation. They join the conversation, and I was the speaker at on the Zoom event that one of them hosted. They asked me to speak, and they were telling me in detail how they try to increase their LinkedIn engagement and like it really matters. So to tag people and bring them to the conversation, oh, and I was like, so now tag. I'm tagged 
in all these like finance and real estate conversations. And I'm like, you guys, like, I literally don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I can't even do math. I don't. <laughs> I think LinkedIn is just such a even darker side of social media because it's <laughs> it's not like, I mean, you, we all know the game influencers are playing on Instagram where they're like, what did you do this weekend? Or what are you looking forward to? And they end their post with a question to seem like they're actually interested in their audience when they're not at all. They just want more engagement. So they, you know, they go up. So their, you know, post is featured more. Yeah. Um, it's just this like very like charlatan move essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think we all know what they're doing and it's very embarrassing. (laughs) I think like bringing that kind of, uh, like fraudster mentality to a professional environment on LinkedIn is just like even more nefarious in my opinion. Like it's even more just gross. Um, It's very agenda based you're saying. Yeah, it's very like my agenda is to have this post seen by a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, and seem like some sort of like thought leader in this space. That's what it is. Yeah. And also I will – The pseudo-intellectualism. And also I think you guys are going to agree with me. The concept of networking, doesn't that make you literally (sighs) hurl? Yeah. Well, I mean I'm like knee deep in corporate America and I never want to network. See, I fe- I personally feel like there's three types of people who post on LinkedIn. One represents the 1% and the rest, the majority. There's the recruiters who post like the very embarrassing, stupid, dramatic stories constantly that Chandler was referring okay. to. And then there's the guys who post just random business insider articles and they have like almost zero commentary on the article, they'll just say something like interesting or awesome. And what this is meant to communicate is that I actively care about business. I read business. Not not only do I, you know, grind 100 hours a week, but when I'm when I'm done, when I have any spare moments to myself, I'm, you know, reading right. Business Insider about, you know, the power of the power of positive thinking when working on a team. It's just it's just this bit. We hate business culture so much. We hate girl boss culture. We think working is basically the worst to begin with. Yeah. It is the worst. It is the worst. <laughs> well, just just also for your listeners, each one of us is podcasting from their bed right now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's. This let's is a slumber cast. It's a slumber party <laughs> podcast. We're in different beds in different locations, but we are nonetheless in bed under our covers. We prefer yeah. to work reclined. <laughs> Um, and then there's the other, the other type of LinkedIn poster, the 1%, which is like the actual CEO of a company who just is like, we were acquired by this company or we are acquiring this company. That's hot to me. I still stand by that. But other, the other two types, (laughs) absolutely not. I'd rather date an ISIS terrorist as I've told you. (laughs) So you're hot for like, if they're posting about a takeover, they just can't be posting like networking articles. I'm hot for actually successful men, but men who have are like on their grind are and are like hustling for success on LinkedIn, (laughs) posting articles they're watching. They're basically (laughs) bowing down, scraping to the man with these actions, in my opinion. And you can totally see through them. They're totally transparent. And yeah, I'm not I'm attracted to actual success, which is not posting on LinkedIn for engagement. That's not what that is. Speaking of which, um my boyfriend just showed me a awful, awful post where a guy, uh, his like baby was like in the NICU or like was ha- was going through like some health stuff. Super sad, but he was posting about it on LinkedIn and turning it into this like 
business uh, perseverance story and then hashtagging it. No. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. It was like – and my boyfriend was literally sending like updates to me because he would like – as things – as like, you know, things would progress and the baby's okay. But like literally turning it into a lesson on LinkedIn. Exploiting sick children Mm -hmm. for your personal gain on LinkedIn is a huge offense that should be punishable by – Death by something. death by death. <laughs> death works works for us, Jenna. Right. <laughs> Capital punishment. We're in, we're in favor on the pop apologist. Just kidding. Don't quote us on that. <laughs> um. Oh so, Jenna, on your podcast, you have a opening segment every week that you do called "Don't Hate Me." Yeah. And you basically. These are unpopular opinions you have, things that a lot of people think are good or they like that you actually find to be distasteful in some way or the other. Um, Correct. And I love it. I love your shopping. <laughs> well, it's right up your your alley. It's right on my alley. I have lots of opinions people do not approve of. And but I my favorite, I think, is the shopping bag one because the shopping bag one is so true it is yes. and i don't know if i'm if you were going to talk about that one today so i no, can just cut ahead. out this little we can intro talk about it let's talk about it i'll talk about anything okay well i just love that one because basically you said on your podcast that yes it would be great if we all had reusable shopping bags with us at all times but it's just completely not practical especially when you don't like travel with a car in new york yeah mhm and you have to look at the person in the eye, the checker in the eye, and everyone else behind you and say you'd like to buy a, you know. <laughs> right. I'd like to buy more bag. trash to add to the <laughs> trash to ruin our environment. Thank you. That's me. Like, hi, I'm Jenna and I hate the environment. Hi, Jenna. Like, that's what it feels like every time because there is a rule in New York. I know Chandler, you're in New York, right? Yeah. Are you in New yeah. York? Okay. So yeah, you're I'm in here. York. I've been here for about a, a week and a half. And I don't know if they have that law in Puerto Rico yet, but regardless, it's what we all should be doing. I just want to say we should be taking care of the environment and doing our part. I support that, obviously. However, I can't take the extra step to carry an extra bag around Manhattan while I'm walking just in the event I stop in the store. Mm -hmm. And so every time I check out – I feel like a failure and I feel like a terrible person because they ask, do you need a bag? And without fail, I have to say like some sort of disappointment. Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to have to take the option of buying plastic or buying more paper. I'll just say that I also hate this. I have, I feel the exact same shame Um, when I (laughs) grocery shopping or anything. I'm actually like a habitual, like, grocery shopper like I probably go to the grocery store like every other day or it's probably an issue but anyways this has turned me into someone who has to carry around a big ass tote all the time that's not my look I don't like that look I don't want to be carrying around like a large essentially laundry bag all the time but this is what it's made me do because I'm so afraid of the shame of you know getting a bag yeah I will just interject with a small story about our mother who refuses to use reusable bags like on principle she refuses (laughs) Yeah, she says she wants to she have the, says, as big of a carbon footprint as possible. She That's says that to the people at Albertsons in Orange County. She says, I want to have the biggest carbon foot. I want to leave the biggest carbon footprint possible. I'm dead. I am <laughs> dead right now. 
She that thinks like environmental stuff is a total hoax. We went through high school. There was this one AP environmental science class, and it would basically turn you into like an environmental terrorist. Right. Like whenever you were in it, you suddenly would, you know, be so angry at all the plastic water bottles around our house and all the stuff. And um, my mom would just curse Mrs. Kerr, our AP environmental science teacher. Wait. Chandler, can you tell the story really quick of when our mom ran into the wrong teacher? <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, our mom despised this teacher because it turned us all into, you know, essentially like flaming liberals. Um, at least for me, it, tur- it it definitely turned me into a more environmentally conscious, you know, individual. She and found it super annoying. Yeah, she found it. I mean, it was just like her kids, you know. <laughs> went through this large change where they suddenly despised the outside fridge that was just full of plastic water bottles from Costco. Um, you know. And anyways, so a couple of years ago, my our mom says, hey, I ran into your, that teacher of yours on the beach trail. And I told her, I said, <laughs> I said, thanks for turning my kids into liberals or something like that. She said, she like literally accosted this woman. Okay. Thinking it was our AP environmental teacher. And <laughs> she goes, I gave her a piece of my mind. Upon, you know, no. some more probing questions, she had actually run into our government teacher from our senior year, who was an absolute delight, who did nothing to turn us into liberals. <laughs> but she just accosted another, you know, uh, another selfless uh, educator. <laughs> That's too good. That's amazing. So bad. It's pretty bad. That okay. is amazing. This week on the podcast, in honor of social studies, we want to do Don't Hate Me, Pop Apologist Edition. Chandler and I have our own beliefs that we think mm-hmm. people will find unsavory. We want to hear more of yours and really dig into it. So, And let's try to not get hated. No promises. No promises. Try not to hate us. We'll see how many more one-star reviews we, I wake up to this week <laughs> after this podcast gets released. Should be really fun. Oh, um, my God. No, I love it. Okay. Who wants to go first, ladies? I'm going to – Okay. I have one. It's, it's one yes, that it's I, I've done on my podcast, but it's in the same genre of checkout. Okay. Don't hate me, but I don't like being guilted at every cash register now to 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 save anyone to <laughs> to buy a child a backpack to right to right. you know i literally this is a thing like when i'm checking out at the grocery store they're like oh we noticed you got you know skinny pop and like you know literally useless food that you do not need <laughs> to insane yourself would you like to donate a dollar towards people <laughs> who have no food or water. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? These prompts For and sure. they get more and more aggressive. Like I was, I was in Petco and they're like, I'm checking out and they're like, oh, we noticed you're buying your dog a Halloween costume. Would you like <laughs> to buy a dog food that's living, you know, like, and of course I would, like I support so many dog rescues. I rescued my dog. I want to save all the dogs. But it's the same judgment, right? You have to look the cashier in the eye and be like, no, I'm good. I don't want to save anyone. Like, I don't hate me, you guys, but I can't keep up with the donation demands demands at the registers. 
the donation demands at the registers, what they, the problem with them actually, the thing that, that's truly nefarious about them is they, unless you become just like a slave to these $1 donations every day, percentage donations constantly, unless you just start saying yes all the time, they they make you kind of feel like you've become a callous person. Yes. That you're just ready to completely yep. ignore the suffering around you constantly. Anytime you check out, I want to talk about someone I don't want to help. You know? Literally. You might as well be kicking a homeless person every time you say no. Literally. When you are If you go to Staples, you have to buy children backpacks. And I love children. Mm -hmm. I have one. Like, like I want to save all the children. I wish all the children could have backpacks. But I literally have to, in front of the entire line and the cashier, be like, no, I don't want to help anyone buy a backpack. Like, let them go to school by carrying 17 books. Like, I feel like a terrible person. But it's just, it's too much. Like, it's not like, you know, when it started, you're like, oh, that's a lovely thing they're doing, right? Like, I remember years ago, you're like, okay, I'll buy the backpack. I'll, I'll contribute. And then you realize that every store is doing it. And I watched a TikTok about this because I felt so guilty. And they were saying how it's actually the store's way of basically tax evasion. So you don't have to. Whoa. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a tax. It's actually not out of the kindness of their heart. It's a tax shelter. Okay. Okay, so that makes me feel better. I think I'm going to accost the next, you know, cashier <laughs> about this tax evasion. <laughs> I'm going to turn it back on them. By the way, I know I'm going to get in trouble because I'm like spreading rumors. It's not necessarily tax evasion, but it is a way for them to to make a taxable, a tax-free, you know, it's some tax thing. They're doing it for taxes. They might as well be Bernie Madoff for all I I care. (laughs) See, I always think that when it comes to the backpacks, like children with toned arms look better than children with toned backs. And so I'm always like, this isn't actually good for them, like these backpacks, like really. And good for me when I'm looking at them. So, By the way, and it's now not just donations. And don't hate me for this either because I support – I've worked as a – I've worked in, you know, I've worked in service. I've worked as a waitress. I've done all of it. But now they expect you to literally tip at Staples. They're like, would you like to tip the cashier? And I'm like, (laughs) what? What? 15 or 20 percent. 50. Yeah. What is this? What is this? Now I have to tip cashiers everywhere. And I'm just like, why don't they just raise your your salary? It's not fair. Right. It's not fair, Walmart. You pay more. I don't want to. Right. By the way, I'll be checking myself out at a self-checkout. And they're like, would you like to add a tip? I'm like, (laughs) to myself? Like, what are you talking about? Oh. The, the tipping everywhere, it's just a me- it's a it's a brain tax. It's like a new problem you need to solve. Like, am I gonna be kind of douchey and not tip this checkout right. person at Walgreens? Or am I going to, you know, keep this or am I going to, I guess, supplicate myself well, before this new before the like the oppressive tipping regime that's overtaking the world? I, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here, but I just listened to a podcast about a restaurant in uh, in Manhattan that did away with tipping. Because tipping is actually like a really like it's 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 a backward system that's pretty misogynistic and it's just like you know a, a a young hot booby server is gonna get a lot more tips than you know, a middle aged woman and it's actually really backwards and so Ooh. I was just listening to this 
podcast all about this restaurant that, you know, did away with tipping. I don't know if you ever go to Sugarfish, but they don't have tips. And they just pay their employees enough to actually, you know, make a livable wage. Imagine that. And, you know, they just raise their food costs or their their food prices, which I would happily pay more and to not have to tip, frankly. Yeah. See, yeah. I always tip more to people who I feel like like I, I don't feel I, I just I always feel worse for someone who's like, you know, later in life and like working one of those jobs. Oh, yeah. So I actually tip them way more. Same, That's great. by the way. That's great. Same. Like I mean, and I still tip girl. From- she's good with 20%. That's that's good for her. <laughs> but I just think it's an interesting thing that we should reconsider as a society. That's all. Thank you, Chandler. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that suggestion. I'm sure restaurateurs everywhere are taking note. Listen up. Um, okay, I have one, my friends. This is a big, this is a big revelation, confession to every friend I've ever had dinner with. But I think charcuterie boards don't hate me. I think they're cumbersome and I think they're gross. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. For- First of all, do we really need, do we really need a $24 appetizer that's going to render each of us with maybe three bites of a hard cracker, cheese, salami, and some sort of mustard grain? That's it. Three bites. Not only that, but they're bites we've had to assemble with the labor of our own hands. We've mm-hmm. had to mentally figure it out. How, which one's the best? How am oh. I going to put this together? I'm going to get my hands dirty doing mm-hmm. it. Not only that, but we've all, we have all been there. We've all done it and we've all seen it done where we are picking up a piece of cheese and our finger grazes other ingredients that we are not taking back to our plate. This is just a fact of the charcuterie experience. It's awful. Lauren, I completely agree with you. I mean, who's also done the mental gymnastics of, okay, I'm taking half this piece of cheese. There's four people right. at dinner, but there's only three slices of cheese. Oh, and and I'm going to take one of these almonds. It's it's actually like uh, maddening and aggravating how little a food a charcuterie board actually feels like. And the bread is never good. And it's always more expensive. It's always super expensive. And then also, it's like, why are all why is all this food on top of each other? Like, are mm-hmm. we on a spaceship? Are we running out of space in this restaurant? Like, why is all the food touching each other and on top of each other? All this food is not meant to come. It's not meant to be served in you know just together. They're meant to be individual ingredients that I can now assemble. Why is the cheese touching the apricot jam? That's my question. It's just, to me, cumbersome, annoying, and expensive. And now, by the way, it's become a thing. Like, everything has become a charcuterie board. Like, there's, like, a hot chocolate charcuterie board. <laughs> there's, like, a like a, like like there's like a charcuterie board, like, at people's houses that have candy mixed in. And I'm like, you can't have candy next to, like, ham. Like, it's not – it's like, have you seen those? Like, it's become oh, right. a thing. Monster like a, charcuterie it, By boards. the way, you know who I blame for that? Pinterest. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely the the devil's handiwork of Pinterest. Um, and it's like, and all, this is the thing. Why is throwing ingredients onto a table unseparated? Like it's now this like very like swoon worthy art form, culinary art form. Yeah, it's a very well, chic thing role? at parties to have these like elaborate full table, full banquet table long charcuterie boards. Now, I will say I am 
a little bit pretending here because I am an apps only kind of person. I like to go to restaurants and order like 60 appetizers and no entree. Entree for me is too big of a commitment. I am in too much of a relationship with a full sea bass when I can have like four other things. You know what I mean? Mm. So I like the concept of like lots of little food strewn about so I can eat like I could try everything. So even though I'm making fun of the charcuterie board charcuterie board culture, I do like yeah. like a million appetizers, you guys. I'm in the million appetizer family as well. That's that's my preference as well. I just think that the difference there is that the, those million appetizers they each come in their own dish with serving <laughs> utensils. You know, so there is some dignity in that experience that charcuterie boards don't possess. By the way, it has become like a thing. It's like a trough. Like, because you know, at like weddings and oh, every yeah. real housewives party now, there is a charcuterie table. It's no longer a platter, it's a full table. And you're right. right. There's no it, there's no division. It's just strewn about. And everyone is just breathing and touching and mushing it around. Yes. Also, it just falls into the same like culinary scam family as wedge salads where it's this thing <laughs> presented in a way that's supposed to be like wow. very striking like oh wow all this iceberg lettuce is still together like gorgeous <laughs> i could eat it with a knife yes. yeah they're like yeah I you're doing the work knife. you fool yeah but exactly but you're the one sawing through that two by four <laughs> of iceberg okay who's the sucker there i am dead that's so perfect i'm sorry as the chef can just rest, you know? They don't got to chop up that shit. You got to do it. It's on you. You put the bites of charcuterie together. You chop up your wedge and smile and like it, okay? That's what our society has told us, and I am raising the red flag. That is hilarious, you guys. The iceberg wow. – the ice – the the – Wedge salad is the funniest thing. It's so true if you think about it. We are so excited for that wedge, and it really just means we have to chop our own salad. (laughs) Yes, we do. It's it's so annoying. I do not. I wonder. By the way, yes. Side note: I wonder if some of the tip should go to us because we're doing the labor. Wow, that right. I'd like to see that on AOC's platform. Thank you. Thank you so much. By the oh way, that gosh. is something that she'd lobby for. <laughs> okay, Chim, what do you have? Okay. What do you have for us? Okay, I'm going to go on the record and I'm going to alienate a lot of my friends, a lot of my family, you know, a lot of the people I respect and care about. And I'm going to say that music festivals are overrated. I've never been to one, but I'd love to learn why. Okay. I this is coming from someone who paid with her own Christmas money to go to Coachella. And mind you, I was not allowed to go to all three days of Coachella because uh, one of those days was on Sunday and I had to come back for church. Of course. So it was still worth it for me to pay the $400. Mm. Um, Music festivals are completely overrated. Governor's Ball was just this like two weekends ago, right? And I had so much pleasure knowing that I was not there. I was not standing Mm. in the hot sun, okay, waiting to see just a speck of a performer um, you know, from miles away, the sound is not good. You are pr- probably doing, you know, long-term damage to your face by standing in the sun. Okay. It's overpriced. 
Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, I just don't feel like it's that great of an experience unless you're doing heavy drugs. Okay. So if, if you're going to go and do heavy drugs, great. That's not really my vibe, but I think music festivals are overrated. That's my unpopular opinion. Okay. So I'm, I'm with you and I happen to be insane. I go to every concert, every, every concert. If I could just do something with my life and not do anything else, I would literally just go to concerts every night. Yes. It's amazing I didn't work in the music industry. <laughs> that being said, when you go to a festival, even if you have the most VIP tickets you can get, mm-hmm. it is not a VIP experience. You are no. still – they sell too many of them, and so you're still on top of everyone. Yep. It's still – like. Every band that plays, they, it's such a fake out. I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, you guys. Mm-hmm. So I have been to some festivals where they're playing and they play like four songs. You never feel like you're getting the full experience. No. It, it's hot. I have been to Governor's Ball. It is like I almost died of heat stroke once. There was no shade <laughs> and I was a VIP ticket. There was no shade. You couldn't get to a bathroom. Yep. I'm you're walking you. around muddy fields. And the try hardness of a lot of the outfits, yes. you guys. We have oh to touch on that. Yes. Ugh. So this brings me to another point, and that is that you 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 know gear up, you get this cute outfit, and you feel cute in it for maybe the first twenty minutes, and then after that, you you know sweated through everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you've you know trekked around with the masses, and you've seen five other people in that exact same outfit, and it's just not worth it anymore. Just go home. Just go home, and and God forbid you're wearing a hat, you guys. <sighs> See that's I've been I've been invited to Coachella. I don't mean to brag, but I've been invited. Okay. <laughs> and um, you know, for me, it's just like all those humans in an what seems like a very disorganized mass environment and with nowhere to retreat to. It just doesn't seem like there's anywhere to go for some respite unless you're going, I guess, into your car. Like that just does it just seems like such a stressful, horrible experience. And I've just always avoided it because these things, I mean, not to sound totally snobby, but just seems so self-evident to me. Like it just, it just looks awful. It's the reason why I don't really even like, like, I don't even really like carnivals. Like I just don't like, I don't like masses of people together in any sort (laughs) of like, in, in any sort of way that isn't fully organized where everyone has a chair Everyone has the personal space. Everyone can rest. The temperature is regulated. Other than that, like count me out. Like it's the reason I don't even go. I, I you'll like never find a, me in a stadium. You'll right, never you're find more, me in a stadium. I, you're more of like a convention center gal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, always going to be a roof over my head if you know there's thousands of people adjacent to me. That is hilarious. I don't mind a stadium. Like the open air stadiums, you mean? You won't, you don't like it. It's fine. I would, the only way I'll do it is if I can, if I avoid the mass exodus and oh, the mass yeah. entrance. Cause otherwise, yeah. I'm not sitting in that parking lot for two the hours. The parking lot leave. is, it's the reason oh. I no longer go to concerts mm-hmm. at Giant Stadium because I love them. They usually have amazing performers, but you are committed to two hours in and two hours out. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that type of human congestion, it's just, I just don't have the stamina. We just, I don't yeah. have the ability to withstand it without yeah. mentally breaking down. You guys, I went to Summer Jam years ago, like six or seven years ago at Giant Stadium. There was riots. You can Google it, like the Summer Jam riots. There was riots. They had riot gear. People, Someone got shot in the parking lot. Oh my it was the scariest, worst 
thing ever. And I was like, I am luckily I was in a box. So we were able to close the door and lock it. But it was so frightening because if you were literally one of the people leaving at that time or trying to get in, it's insane that there was like, there's videos of the cops in riot gear and people were throwing oh things at them. Yeah. And you're paying money for this experience? <laughs> you're paying money for this. And then you have to pay money for the therapy right. afterwards of the trauma. Just buy the album or whatever and, you know, <laughs> listen to it in, your, in the comfort of your own home and safety of your own home. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Forgive me if you can hear the coffee maker noise behind me. Kagan and I are, are sharing a very small space. He has just awoken. So there might be some stray noises. Apologies, listeners. Um, I have another one I would love to share with you. Okay. I think that tasting menus are a scam and and just always a negative experience. Always a negative experience. And chefs everywhere – apologies. I'm sure yours are delightful, but every other chef's are terrible. And let me explain. First of all, first of all, there is always some sort of like foam and vegetable puree dish. Okay. (laughs) Always, always, always. We need to be so excited about the egg white foam situation with the pureed vegetables. And the puree is presented by the server at the table. This is meant to be a very impressive experience, like the puree going into the dish, seeing that liquid fall through the air into the dish at the table. It's meant to just be wow, a wow, wowza moment. And then you take a bite of this dish. It's in every tasting menu and it tastes like baby food. It just does. It tastes like food for a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. And you're paying probably $20 a bite, okay? And it's just – it's always underwhelming. It's always underwhelming. And I just personally think that tasting menus, they're just – they're never as good as like a regular – just like you can order what you want from the appetizer list. You can order an entree. They just never are. Okay. Chandler, do you want to go or should I go? I would just like to – okay. Lauren, you've been to more fancy restaurants than I have. So I I do, I'm going to respect and validate your opinion in that sense. But I actually, like the tasting menus that I've had, especially I'll reference again, Sugarfish. um, It's amazing. It's like the, whatever, like the chef has curated for that day. It's incredible. So I don't know that I totally agree. That being said, I am eating at, you know, more chains than you are in my day-to-day life. I'll be honest. You know, I I did do the I don't know the sugarfish tasting menu might be amazing. I did the like presidential. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, here we go. Here we go. Sounds like such a stop. <laughs> You're such I, a did, stop. I, did, I did literally like I did like the king's tasting menu at Nobu in Newport once on a date, um, and and it was even that was like such a letdown compared to just being able to order what you want from the sounds of it you know, you're actually not that snobbish or bougie because you just like conventional textures. I just think your palate's elevated enough. Allow me, people. Allow me to just order a truffle mac and cheese, some gorgeous sliders, and a fucking salad cut into pieces. That's all I want out of this world. So you want the Cheesecake Factory. Just totally fine. Just own that truth. The Cheesecake Factory is delicious, and I will die on Delicious. And that menu, by the way, is literally like it's – Anything your heart desires. But I will say I'm going to go against Lauren on this one. I love a friggin' tasting menu and here's why. I love a cheesecake factory. I've talked about this a lot on my podcast. 
I grew up in the city. And when I was growing up here, we did not have chain restaurants. It's new to the city that there's like an olive garden. I had not been to an olive garden, you guys, until like two years ago in Florida because it was the only place to go. Um, But I grew up going to visit my grandparents in Florida and I loved going to Cheesecake Factory or Ruby Tuesdays, like all of these things that we didn't have here. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, for as trashy as I am, I love a tasting menu because I love to be surprised. I love when other people order for the table, you guys. I love the not knowing and being surprised and I love tasting everything. So I get really into a tasting menu. I don't even care if it's good or not. I just want to have endless surprises of people being like, oh, and now we have this, you know, fluke with some whatever it is. Like I I honestly, you guys, it's my dream come true. And if I could lay in my bed and people just come to me with tiny dishes <laughs> like for every meal, I would be the happiest person with no say or input in what I'm putting in my mouth. <laughs> Okay, well, you know what? I can appreciate that, that there are other points of view in this world. I do not want all the chefs that listen to us to just be weeping into their pillows tonight. Wow. So you've both done some great work. <laughs> I have a quick one. Okay. Okay. I've been noticing a trend. I'm going to alienate some people that I think that I know listen to this podcast. And I would just like to say to those people, I'm sorry. Um, but it had I had to be honest. I had to speak my truth. And that is, I think it's very annoying. And I think it's overrated when people make loving Mamma Mia or ABBA, their personality. Do you know anyone like this in real life? Yes. Yes. There's a, I, you know, I'm honestly alienating half my friends right now because there's a large group of friends what? who all go like dancing in New York and go to like these, <laughs> I'm really calling and people go to out. ABBA clubs? They go to, it's like, it's like a Mamma Mia themed night. And I just, it's honestly, it's not even so much of the, you know, going out and enjoying the music and that doesn't bother me at all it's just i don't like mama mia i don't like the music i don't like the movies i don't want it i don't want to go to a show about it i don't want to hear about it i don't want someone to put on dancing queen and be expected you know to get excited like just don't you guys i'm kind of traumatized to find out this is a thing yeah i could have gone my whole life without knowing this was a thing So i'm really sorry my listeners too i just feel like every white woman like loves Mamma Mia for some reason. And I have always felt, you know, like I've had to pretend and I don't want to pretend anymore because I don't like it. Yeah. Wow. Chandler, just step into your authentic self right now. Ugh, I'm trying. Own your truth. Stepping the into the light. Are. Yeah. For the first time. Ugh, that, I just feel like such a weight is lifted off of me now. How empowered do you feel right now? <laughs> I'm Cheryl Sandberg. Well, maybe not her <laughs> given yesterday's events, but you know. You're Oprah Winfrey, living in your truth, and it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for that confession. Oh, I have one. I have one. Okay. And I'm sure you guys, everyone is good at this but me. The the concept that we have to drink 90 ounces of water a day and the craze of the big bottles. And here's the thing. I walk a line because I want to be hydrated. I want to have supple skin. I want to feel good. I don't want to die. I want to get out the toxins. <laughs> I want to I want all of those things. But water has no taste and I I bought one of those Instagram bottles, you guys. The water challenge bottles. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Keep going. They are bigger than They're my so torso. Close. They really? are yes. 
unless there's like a money incentive or whatever, like that line, they are not saying the right things. What they should be saying is, if you don't get to this level, you're going to wake up with no collagen tomorrow. Like it should be a little more threatening, like yeah. being like, you did it, almost there. And I'm like, I, my stomach is going to actually explode. So I don't want to humiliate you or our listeners from having for having purchased one of these devices. No, no, I bought I, one. I'm not I'm a loser. I bought one, you guys. <laughs> I just find it to be like incredibly undignified. The idea <laughs> that we need to have like <laughs> that we need to ha- hold our our hydration in a mug that either encourages us or threatens us. Like let's just <laughs> embrace being being human beings that have stunning glassware and stemware and we can just drink a glass of water when we're thirsty and we don't need any sort of inspiration or terrorism throughout the process. Like also, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to fill it up at the beginning of the day and then carry that thing around with you to work. It's just like, oh, you're going to set it down in front of you at dinner, ruin the tablescape. It's just disgusting. It just looks embarrassing. And then additionally, additionally, there's never a happy ending to these to being mm-hmm. the, these water bottles being pushed on us. There, there's no like here's the success stories. Here's how my life changed once I started drinking all this water. Here's what's so amazing. It's just drink more water, drink more water, drink more water. But no one ever talks about like how their life changed in any way after following this regime. Am I wrong right. here? Well, I would just like to first of all say that I don't believe in toxins. Thank you. By Thank the way, you. I don't either. Toxins <laughs> are fake. And have you seen those foot patches, those toxin foot patches where it's they turn no. brown? <gasps> oh my God. It's a whole thing. Google it. It was like a whole scam on the internet. They were selling these patches you wear on the bottom of your feet that's supposed to suck out the toxins and oh, they turn my brown. Gosh. But then they realized like there was just a chemical in the patch that when you put them on, they turn brown for effect and nothing was leaving right. your body. Right. Your body's actually really good at getting rid of waste itself. You don't need a colonic, people, okay? Mm-hmm. You don't need a tube You don't need to buy bubble. something from an MLM no. to get rid of the toxins. Not at all. Your body actually is just extremely efficient at doing that to begin with, okay? Um, sorry, Chan. I feel like I cut you off, though. Oh, no. I was – yeah. First of all, I totally agree with both of you. The water bottles are just so fugly. Like – who wants to – like you're saying, Lauren, who wants to carry that around? And if you're drinking that much water, you're also constantly peeing, which means that you're then constantly annoying every other person around you. And I just – it like you're saying, it's a lose-lose. I would like to drink less water. That's a goal I have. Pee less, drink less water. It's very dignified, I think, to be a person that drinks a very modest portion throughout the day of water. Drinking water cannot be your personality, just no. like Mamma Mia, Correct. just like music festivals. By the way, it has become a personality. It's like, um, I, I'm Jenna. I like to go to the gym. I wear Lululemon, and I drink 62 ounces of water a day. I just uh. – like. I mean, maybe this is hopelessly naive. But By the way, I, I don't do any I'm- of those things, just so you know. I just describe myself <laughs> as that, but I don't do any of those things. I just think that our bodies are probably all in the same way that they're very, you know, they excel at eliminating waste. They're probably also fine agents of telling us when we need to take in more water. And they're, you know, like we can just follow our thirst cues. Like, do people really become severely dehydrated 
and go have to go to the hospital because they're not just following their thirst cues and drinking water when thirsty? Is this really a problem we need to we need to solve? Like on TikTok, please. No, a hundred percent. I agree. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, um, before we go. Jenna. Wait, I have one more. I'll go super fast, but I had deleted TikTok months ago, not to brag to anybody, but I have my boyfriend and I decided to do a TikTok cleanse and we've just stuck with it. But recently, um, I faltered and I've been going on Reels, okay? Oh, and yeah. ugh, Reels is a special kind of hell, okay? <laughs> the the what I I know I keep, you know, dogging on white women and I am one of them, but like you guys, the reels we are seeing from the pseudo life influencers, coaches, the life coaches, the moms, mm. everybody, everybody on Instagram reels ha- is wearing a hat and is super effing annoying. And I and I, I and I'm de- done. I think it depends. I get a lot of reels about dogs, so okay, I'm, cute. I'm all in for that. But I've been getting a lot of how to grow your social media following oh. reels, and oh. you guys like it feels like a cult. I don't know why I'm getting these. Clearly, they're sending me a message that I don't have a big enough following. But I, I feel like they're like do 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 like post two reels a week. Do 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 do. That song you guys gives me actual trauma. I I'd honestly completely agree. Yeah. There's also this new one where people say, um, "I wouldn't have been mad if he proposed to me with a ring pop," and then they flip over their hand. And show their engagement ring. Oh. And I'm gonna and all of the engagement rings are super ugly. <laughs> like so ugly. It's just all really bad and it's a special kind of hell. That's all. Well, if you're not I on just, TikTok, you're missing the worst one of them all. Are you brown? Are you blue? Are you violet skies? If you guys aren't on TikTok, you don't even know. I don't, uh-uh. I don't even it's know. It's a new depressing song where people tell a depressing story from their life. Oh. No, yeah. wait, seriously? I want out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a but TikTok. I'm to TikTok, it's a TikTok challenge. See, it's here's a my feeling: where there's a song that also gives me PTSD now when I hear it, and people tell like really terrible stories about Ugh. discovering they were being cheated on, or that oh. you know their dad oh, was they. like on the run from prison or whatever it was. But this song is so long, you guys. It's like a three minute TikTok. I already feel. Like a prostitute prostrating herself before the world with this podcast. I don't need to also be dancing in my living room and like, you know, I guess selling my biggest sob story to audiences everywhere on reels or on videos on TikTok. Like like mm-hmm. my dignity has to start somewhere as a human being. And honestly, I'd rather just be less successful. Like I'd rather just have less listeners. I'd, I'd rather just never make it. Yeah, but I don't that's know. What it is. I agree. I'm torn. I do make videos, so I'm torn, but I, I'm annoying also. So there's that. <laughs> no. Well, I just, my sister was like, you should do like green screen videos. We were doing like commentary on stuff, kind of like those talking head videos. By the way, you'd and be so know. good at that. That's the thing. You'd actually be so good at that, I have to say. Thank that you. That feels less annoying. It's all – I don't. I love a green screen me. video. I happen to like the green screen videos because I do like the hot takes that people have. I mean, like, that's what you and I do for a living. And so I do find those kind of – If I, I like those. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. 
It's really just laziness that, that I'm trying to masquerade as like as better than you know as like <laughs> as elitism. Perfect. Yeah, as like trying to be like you know in some way more stately or dignified on social media when really I'm just too lazy to do any of that stuff. Like it's never gonna yeah, happen. I get so it. I guess I'll just be honest. <laughs> Don't hate okay. her. <laughs> Don't hate me. I have one yes. more before we go, you guys, Perfect. that everyone can relate to. The new concept that to browse a website, you have to sign up for a 10% discount. They will not yep. let you into the website without giving your email address mm-hmm. to browse. And I don't know, like, I don't know if I want you to have my email. Let me, let me, let me go on a first date. Let me see what you have to offer before I give you my contact information. And there's no option to like X out of it and just go they into make the website. It very difficult. And some there's no option. Some they're like, you can't come here and shop if and then and oh, that's another thing. It's like checkout. The the choices are like, yeah, I'd love to save 10% or no, I want to be poor. That's like literally <laughs> what they say. No, I hate I hate saving I hate money. Save and I'm like, money. well, I wouldn't yes. say that. What I hate is spam emails. That's what I hate. Right. Totally. It's like it's like guilt or one of these retailers that they make you become a member. You know, it's like checking out. It's like, do you want to save 20% and also sign up to pay us $99 a year to be a member at our stupid like e-commerce site? No, thanks. I think I'm no, I good. I think I'll just pay for shipping, Ann Taylor. I got this. Yeah. Ugh, I choose poverty. Truly. I actually love <laughs> I- being poor. Yeah, I love being poor. Take all Don't my money. Me. That's what we need to say to the uh, you know cashiers when they ask about reusable bags. Yeah, don't hate me. I love okay. being poor. I I'm ruining the environment, and I don't want to save. I don't want to save anyone. That's don't hate me. That's the bottom line of this episode. <laughs> wow, I'm crying. I actually think that was a stunning admission of human <laughs> truth. Thank you right. so much, Jenna. Thank you so much, Chandler. <laughs> Thank you, Jenna. Truly. You guys yeah. honestly are the greatest. I, I hope you come back on my show soon because um, honestly, I was dead from you too. Oh, thank you so much. We had so much fun and I have loved this recording as well. I'm sure this episode is going to be phenomenal. Can you please tell our listeners where they can get more of Jenna Kingsley, where they can find you? Yes, you guys, you can follow me on Instagram at Jenna Kingsley, one N, J-E-N-A-K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y. Uh, and please come listen to the Social Studies with Jenna Kingsley podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Start with um, Lauren and Chandler's episode, one of my favorites, um, called Is Pinterest Creepy, where we go into the, their theory about Pinterest, amongst other things, Doom Brain. And just start with that episode. I think you guys will love it. It's truly one of I it's a comedy podcast, and it's truly one of my favorite episodes. You guys had me crying, like crying. Very few times will I authentically plug a podcast. Usually I'm faking it. And this is one of the times it's all true. Like you guys, social studies is very, very good. Uh, super Aww, funny. Thank you. Also, it's just like – it's also like I think you excel at putting out like more kind of brief episodes. Like you're more in like the 30 to 45-minute range. So it's not yeah. like a two-hour, three-hour Joe Rogan commitment, which I really no. appreciate. Yeah, I try to and keep they it under 35 minutes. Yeah, I try to keep it under great. 35 minutes because I have the attention span of a gnat, so I assume everyone else does too. <laughs> it's truly so good. So everyone, go check out Social Studies Podcast. Thank you so much, Jenna, for being here. So, Thank so fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
that's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you, because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.